following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Shanto, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz, where we talk all things NFL. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with my co-host, the tenacious, the titillating Tyler Dean. Tyler, how are you doing, bud? I don't know. I might still be recovering. Not sure. Oh, from the, the hardcore uh, uh, frat boy Super Bowl that you had? I, I don't know. I, I may have lost a couple years off my life from that one. <laughs> Well, yeah, we did have a, a hellacious Super Bowl Sunday over here at the the uh, um, Freytown compound here. but Along with an Uber ride that uh, I may or may not remember. <laughs> it was a fun night. It was a really good game. We are just over a week removed from the bowl. And, uh, man, what a, what a fun time. Uh, we we did enjoy ourselves quite thoroughly for uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Got to see one great game. Got to eat some great food. Have a just real fun time. So uh, Tyler, I mean, are you feeling good? We're we're it's it, we're finally into the off season here. The the L.A. Rams named the new Super Bowl champions. Are, are we preparing for? Uh, how are you preparing for free agency? I mean, are you? Are you throwing back a couple extra scotches, waiting for what the Ravens are going to do? I mean, what's going on here? Well, free agency is always a weird time when it comes to the Ravens because they're not known for going like balls to the walls signing. They they usually do like the, the strategic signings, which I, I'm not against, but it just it just makes free agency day as far as a Ravens fan not sexy. Right, right, and then that's the same way for the Vikings. I mean, they they did make the splash about four years ago for Kirk Cousins. That was the big splashy move, and and uh, obviously that one, in my opinion, hasn't worked out very well. But you know, we could see a, a changing of the guard. We we do have some Vikings news to get into in a little bit here. But um, man, what a what a great time uh, we had this past Super Bowl Sunday, dude. I'm so stoked about um, the, the NFL draft and getting ready to go up north to, to visit with the Steel Boys. Obviously, the last episode, we had Alex Steele on board. Super happy to have him. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the draft today, too. I've got uh, my top five running back prospects. Tyler, are you fired up for the draft? I mean, I know the Ravens are notoriously good in the draft. Are I, I feel like that is, even though I know you like free agency day more and you get fired up for free agency day, I feel like as a Ravens fan, you should be more excited about the draft as opposed to free agency because the Ravens are just notoriously draft extremely well, don't they? They they do. They, they, they've done a very good job and, and, and that didn't even, it, there's a lot of thought that would change when uh, Newsom retired and DaCosta took over, but DaCosta has been... Taken, has taken that ball and rolled with it. Yeah, he's done a great job for them, and and I get excited about about the draft as well. Although you know, in it's kind of a different animal being a Vikings fan because they you get the Rick. Well, for the last several years, we've had Rick Spielman collecting sixth and seventh round draft picks like they're candy. I don't I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. But uh, yeah, we're we're getting all fired up. We've we've got this off season stuff. These times, this period in time, like. I enjoy football season and I enjoy watching the games and having a good time and cheering on my team and I get all fired up for it. But there's a degree of excitement about free agency and a degree of excitement about 
the draft that just gets me really fired up. And I don't understand why that is. Sometimes I enjoy this period in the league year more than I do the actual games sometimes because I just love the team building aspect. I, I mean, I, I feel like you're in the same. You're, boat. you're not. You're not wrong. It, it's such a. It's such a crazy and, and awesome time. Just like watch, like watching 32 teams just try to be like, all right, time to rebuild, time to do this, time to move pieces around, and, and just watching it all play out live. Right, and then and then obviously we we get into fantasy football time for us too, so we get the additional fun of the whole thing. So I mean, there's all kinds of excitement. I'm fired up, dude. I'm ready to rock and roll. We're going to have ourselves a, a really solid offseason, I think. But we have to jump into this Super Bowl stuff because we are a, uh, a, a little over a week removed from it. And, um, man, what what a fun game. Tyler, are you ready to jump into the bowl stuff? Let's do it up. All right. And here is the your results for the Super Bowl. Your uh, official Super Bowl champions, your, your world champions – the Los Angeles Rams, they beat the Bengals 23-20. to Last-minute heroics from Matt Stafford and then last-minute heroics from that Rams defense to finally seal the deal of this game. What a fun game to watch. And, and man, it was really looking like a Rams game right up until the beginning of that second half. And things got a little... You mean Bengals game. Or, well, it was looking like the Rams game at first. The Rams were up. They were winning 13-10. to and then the Bengals in the beginning of the second half just took over. And I don't know what in the hell was going on uh, at the beginning of the second half there. Matt Stafford throws a pick on his first play. I mean, wildness. Just absolute wildness. It was, it was pandemonium there for a minute there. But the big story about this game, to me, Cooper Cup, man. What a showing from Cooper Cup putting the team on his back after Odell Beckham goes out with an ACL tear. We'll get into that shortly. Um, man, what what a solid game. Does Cooper Cup deserve the MVP, MVP accolade here? I could have seen it go either way to either Cup or, or Stafford. I think they, they both did a very good job. I'm, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disappointed with Cooper Cup getting it, no. Yeah, Matt Stafford, uh, I, I feel like he would have gotten it, but he did have two interceptions in this game. And yeah, the, the, the two picks kind of set set that that standard there it put a damper on the whole thing but man i just i think is cooper cup the best receiver in football or is this just like a one-year wonder i mean what what do you make you know, it i was i talked about this last week he's not he's not in my top five yeah i i um, agree. i think i think he had a really a, hot year a pure player standpoint he's not in my top five I, I, you got guys like hill and adams and Diggs and and jefferson and hopkins i can probably list a couple more too i'd probably put him on the bottom of the top 10 yeah, but I, that being said, there's no better combination in football right now than, than the Stafford Cup connection. Yeah, I think there's a, a tremendous connection there, and it's it, it, Cooper Cup came out just just I mean just hammering Eli Apple in this game. I mean Eli Apple had himself a really rough go every time Cooper Cup was matched up against him, and and a lot of people were slamming Eli Apple for that. And, well, the the thing is, because Eli Apple spent. All, the better half of the of the postseason shit talking old teams and fans and the whole NFL that like, okay now now you're now you're gonna be put on blast buddy yeah yeah and it was it was very uh, interesting to watch how Cooper Cup um, really just handled his business and he did extremely well Matt Stafford he gets a Super Bowl finally after after a 13 year purgatory 
I, I mean, how excited are we for Matt Stafford? I know you think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think this a lot of people like Richard Sherman came out and said he didn't think Matt Stafford was a was a, a Super Bowl hero or he didn't think he was going to be a Hall of Fame guy. And and he was I mean, just put Matt Stafford on blast. I mean, nonstop all week long. I think this Super Bowl win puts Matt Stafford in that Hall of Fame discussion. I, I think that before this Super Bowl win, I think the argument could have been made that Matt Stafford was not Hall of Fame caliber. But at this point, I think he's Hall of Fame now because he did win a Super Bowl and he did it decisively moving off to the Rams in one season. So it shows that obviously he wasn't the problem in Detroit for a long time. But, you know, I, I do think I don't think it's first ballot, but I do think he's definitely a Hall of Famer at this point. Don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I know before this show, I mean, you've said you were you were pretty uh, adamant about, you know, first ballot. And there was the discussion of, well, I don't even know if he's first ballot. And, uh, because I, I, I saw this conversation. I, mean, I, I don't know. Did, did we talk about this last week where someone was talking about if Stafford had gotten drafted to the Packers and Rodgers got, got drafted to the Lions? How many bowls would each got each guys have? And they said that Stafford would probably have at least two. But Rodgers would also have one or two because because the difference is Rodgers wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't have stayed stayed in Detroit for twelve years. No, he wouldn't have stuck around, and 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 that I agree with. And and I think Matt Stafford wound up in a situation where where it was just a bad situation all around for him for a long time. So I mean, I, I mean he I, signed he signed that contract after his fifth year, and I, I think after year one he regretted it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have. And and Matt Stafford, it, to be clear, he is not making. Uh, buku dollars over here with the Rams. He he really isn't. But man, I, I'll tell you what he he deserves every penny. They're looking at an extension for him. I think he deserves it. But I'm hoping that he's smart enough to not go after 45 million or 50 million because the Rams won't be able to run it back after that. They're they're pretty tight cap wise. Am I right? They they are. I, I'm not sure they're going to be able to really bring everybody back the way Donald wants, but it'll be interesting if they, they can figure it out. Yeah, and that's that's going to be an exciting thing, and we'll talk about Aaron Donald here shortly as well. Outside of the Bengals, outside of the Rams, on the Bengals side of things, I mean, Joe Burrow, I mean, he's pro- proven that he's the real deal, right? I mean, he is... Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I do think that, that a lot of people are talking about Jamar Chase, and rightfully so, but man, I was more impressed by T. Higgins throughout the entire playoffs, weren't you? Yeah, it, it's weird. The, the Bengals as a whole through the playoffs were relatively quiet yeah. as far as like having like these big games. But they played collective, strong football that kept them in, in all these games. Yeah, there was, there was uh, I mean, when one deficiency happened, there was another part of that team that stepped up and, and really took care of business. When the offense... Yeah, the defense was the, was the big key for me because at any time that... They were facing these offenses that don't make mistakes, but anytime they were forcing mistakes, and then the offense was capitalizing on them. Yeah, and it was really nice. the The offensive line, anytime the offensive line was a little rough around the edges, it seemed like the the defense, a little a, a little rough around the edges would have been would have been an upgrade for what the Bengals' offensive line was this offseason. This, here, this, but the playoffs. But I, I do think you get where I'm going with that. Where where their offensive line had its deficiencies, the defense would step up and and balance things out a little bit for them and really keep them in some of these games. Trey Hendrickson was was a great addition for the Bengals. Do you see the Bengals making it back to this pinnacle, or do you think that they're just going to be one of those perennial, uh, I mean, 
playoff teams that that you know we see in the playoffs every year and we just don't know if they're ever going to break loose again uh it's tough mostly because the afc is so much stronger than the nfc at this exact this current moment right because you look at the, at, the, at the the road that since he went through i i don't think since he if, if 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 they replay all those games again they don't make it to the super bowl eight of those ten I agree. I and, agree. That's, and that's not saying this is not a good team because they went they went and pulled off all the stops. But then, but you got teams like the Bills, who are going to be back in Super Bowl contention. The Chiefs going to be back in Super Bowl contention. The Titans going to be back in Super Bowl contention. And then you're not talking about teams who weren't there because of like injuries. Like the Ravens are going to be back in Super Bowl contention. Yeah. You yeah. got you got the Bengals who are also going to be there. I'm not, I'm not gonna say they're gonna they're gonna fizzle out because they're not. Their team's too good. But it's not going to be this. Bengals are going to just go and take the division by four games. It's just not going to be a thing. Yeah, and I think I think the one thing that I really want to point out is the difference in quarterbacks from the NFC to the AFC, and the teams that were making the playoffs in the NFC as opposed to the AFC. I mean, the AFC has a series of good, young, strong franchise quarterbacks that they're going to be riding on for a long time. I mean, where they had Rodgers and, and Man, or, or I'm sorry, Brady and Manning for a long time, and the NFC had, you know, Rodgers and Breeze. But I mean, the AFC is doesn't now- have two. They don't. Ha- they don't have a, a a two quarterback and everybody else class. Right, and and I think I think the AFC just has a slew of them. I mean, you're you're talking Mahomes and you're talking Allen and you're talking Burrow. I mean, you just go down the line, Lamar, just all these Herbert. great. And, and I really do think that you're going to wind up, you know, looking at the AFC dominating down the line. I, this could be, uh, for a little while anyway, this could be a little bit of a last hurrah for the NFC, right? Especially if Aaron Rodgers comes to AFC. Yeah, and Rodgers is like, talking about... That going, adds a whole other can of worms to the mix. Yeah, he is, He is. you know, talking about going to Denver. I mean, it's it, it, this is, this is going to become an interesting situation down the line. We're, we're going to wind up talking about a lot of this stuff, and and I'm excited. But the Rams wind up as your world champions. I thought it was very deserving for them. Uh, we we had this was a fun playoffs. I think I thought this these playoffs were were a really good time. We saw all these these very close games, very competitive games outside of Wild Card Weekend, which wasn't so super this year, and and it wasn't so super not just because they flexed a game out to Monday night. It was just not so super because the majority of the games were just ass whoopings across the board, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It was just a beating. I mean, and and so looking at the divisional round, and we were so excited after divisional round weekend and conference championship weekend because everything changed. We we got to see some really competitive football games. You you just really saw the teams that were supposed to be there kind of trim the fat and and move on. So it was just a really a good time, um, but. You know, in, in the Rams, they, they wind up getting the bowl. I think they this was the all-in moment. Do you think that the Rams are going to be basically going into purgator, purgatory after next year or possibly even this year? I think that's where they're heading, right? You know, it always seems that way, but this this, this isn't this isn't the first year they've gone through a first-round pick. They haven't had one in a while. They still make this work, so I, I'm not so sure they're going into purgatory quite yet. I, I don't know if it's going to be just yet. We're going to find out, but, you know, it's... Man, and and obviously they they don't put much stock in draft picks at this point. I mean, their general manager 
showed up to the uh, the parade with a fuck them picks shirt. <laughs> so I loved it. Yeah, it was fantastic. So we'll see what exactly the Rams are going to do in the future. You know, Matt Stafford got his bowl. He got his big moment. Good for him. That was that was the big storyline. I and I also think Aaron Donald was was the big storyline there. And and we'll jump into some Aaron Donald stuff shortly. But man, it was it was a, a good time, good exciting Super Bowl. I thought this was probably one of the better one of the better Super Bowls we've seen in a while, right? Yes, yeah, I would I would agree. Last year's was a blowout. Um, the you know the the Niners Chiefs game was was a good one though. It started off one side, but then it got close at the end. Yeah, it was it was decent. I, I thought that the Super Bowl with uh, you know Brady and and uh, the Rams and all that. With, I mean that, the Patriots Rams one that was boring. What a snooze fest that one turned out to be. So I mean we we've seen some low scoring Super Bowls, but I thought this one was just just perfect. It was like the perfect mix of offense and defense. It was it was just a lot of fun to watch, and it was a close enough game to the point where everybody was was fired up about it, and you know they they had the the last minute heroics to cup, and then. You know, the, the fourth and one, I mean, and let's talk about that real quick. That fourth and one, that final drive for the Bengals where they were trying to, to uh, you know, really keep that game alive and drive downfield and, and either tie it up or get the W. You know what? Jamar Chase is wide open on that play. Wide open. Jalen Ramsey ate it. <laughs> I mean, ate it. The, the picture of Jalen Ramsey, I mean, basically pe- penguin sliding on his belly. I mean, it was probably one of the funniest things. Do you think Joe Burrow hits that throw for the for the W there? I I think he would have had he had time to throw. Right. Or if a referee threw an offsides penalty. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it it, it turned out to be a, a really crazy scenario. And uh, good on the, the Rams defensive uh, front be, being able to get in that backfield and hammer Joe Burrow. I mean, I, I just... Man, what a it was! It was kind of heartbreaking for Burrow, but man, I really I expect him to to be a contender for a long time, and and I really expect him to continue leading the Bengals for a long, long time. I think the this was a cool uh, thing for the Bengals faithful, and I got to tell you, real quick before we move on to our our you know Tyler's top ten, Freytown's forgotten five. I want to tell you, I appreciate the class from the Bengals fans because a lot of times. These guys return from a Super Bowl to an empty airport and they, they get off the plane and nobody's there and they just go home to their families and that's that. Man, I'll tell you what, the Bengals fans were out, I mean, just loving on their guys as they came back and it was probably one of the coolest things I saw. The, just the class from from that fan base was really cool to see, wasn't it? It was. I, I, I It was kind of fun to see. Yeah, I, I appreciated that because they, you know, they said, "Hey, you know what? You lost, but we love you anyway." You brought us that that Super Bowl uh, appearance for the first time in what thirty years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a huge deal. So good on them too. But Tyler, we have some uh, Tyler's top ten to jump into, but that's your your uh, your talk, our our TED talk for the Super Bowl. But I, I gotta tell you, we had some great this this uh during these playoffs and i know that you've got a tyler's top 10 here for our best playoff performances is that right yes i do yeah so let's go ahead and hit us with a little bit of tyler's top 10 
Tyler's top 10. And Tyler, I, you know, I, I know this was probably easy picking for you because there was one round in particular where everybody <laughs> just went ham. But uh, yeah, I, I did find uh, Forgotten Five as well. So let's go ahead and jump into Tyler's top 10. Let's see what you got. All right, before I go into the top 10, you're like, I, I do got one for, for get full I'm going to throw in there just because I, 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 I had a joke. I didn't get a chance to say it when we were talking about him. Eli Apple. Um, <laughs> just, the, just the way he's getting shed on is just hilarious. Yeah. And the one thing I came up with, um, it's, like, uh, it's, like, it's like, huh, an apple a day keeps the Super Bowl away. Oh, oh. wait, doctor. Oh, oh, oh God. You stomping the salt in the wound there? A little bit. Yeah, what a dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number 10 comes from the wild card round, which the wild card round had a lot of good performances because half the teams sucked and half the teams dominated. Yeah. Um, Mike Evans, nine receptions, 117 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, we, we expected to see it. Um, we, we I mean, it's, it's Brady hitting one of his favorite targets. We knew Godwin was down for this game. And, uh, yeah, Evans – I mean, obviously, he was going to have himself a good playoff, and he did, uh, in spite of the fact that they they did have an earlier exit than expected. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought this was a great performance by him. I believe they took on, what, the Eagles in this game, correct? Yes. Yeah, and, and the, the Eagles secondary, you know, Mike Evans was matched up, I believe, with Darius Slay in this situation, and, and for him to be able to get, a, you know, kind of take down Darius Slay a little bit, that, that's kind of a big deal in spite of the fact that it is Mike Evans and Tom Brady. Uh, Darius Slay's a good corner. So Mike Evans, yeah, I agree. This is he's rock solid, and this was a great performance for him. Number nine comes from the divisional round. Shocker. Yeah. AJ Brown, five receptions, 142 yards, and a touchdown. Huge, huge game. Uh, in spite of the loss, right? I, I mean, you go to the divisional round, you take on the Bengals, and low scoring game, but. He still puts up good, really good numbers. Uh, and I, I just, it's kind of funny that, that it happens. A.J. Brown does it against the Bengals, whose secondary was questionable after the Eli Apple stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of an interesting thing. But A.J. Brown, he didn't see a lot of field time this year because he was dealing with a lot of injuries and whatnot. But he still had himself a really great year. And he showed that with, all of the, the issues with the injuries of Derrick Henry and so on and so forth that he can step up and be a number one guy on that team, I, I think. And I, I think 100 percent injury or not, A.J. Brown proved that he's one of the best receivers in football. Yeah, I agree. I think he he's one of those guys that can put that team on his shoulders. So, yeah, A.J. Brown getting it done. I agree. This was a, a really great performance against a, a Bengals team that while the secondary wasn't good, that front was brutal to Joe Burrow and AJ Brown kind of took that team and said, I'm going to put it on my back. And he, he almost got him, got him the W there. So yeah, I, I like AJ Brown. Number eight comes from the divisional round. Tyreek Hill, 11 receptions, 150 yards and a touchdown. That's Tyreek doing Tyreek things, right? That's standard Tyreek. Yeah. Yeah. It's Tyreek doing Tyreek things, running toward the end zone, flipping his, his little peace signs and shit and, and all that stuff. Surprised that wasn't a flag, but you know, he had, he had a lot of gall during that game as he's running down the field and, you know, he's got two, two defenders ahead of him and was <laughs> still flipping up his peace sign. And uh, he, he knew he was gone. Uh, Tyreek Hill, he had himself a hell of a game. Uh, it was, it was probably the most entertaining game of that divisional round weekend. 
high scoring, just brutal, brutal. Uh, the defenses looked miserable in that game. Uh, I like Tyreek Hill a lot. Obviously, he's no, he's the number one uh, receiver over there with Kansas City, and he deserves to be. So, yeah, that great performance by him against a very, very good Bills defense, mind you. I mean, I, let's just let's not discount that. He put up a great performance against the number one defense in the league. Yes, so that's that's huge for him. I'm surprised to actually now that I think about it, it probably wasn't even surprised it wasn't higher because of what he did against the number one defense in the league. But yeah, there's that too, but yeah, there's, there's but, a lot of good performances in the high end here. Yeah, oh yeah, and and I'm looking at one from that same weekend where I'm going, yeah, that's you. <laughs> um, and actually that same game. So, and you, I'm sure you'll jump into that shortly. I'm sure that's more toward the top of the list. But yeah, he had a great performance that week. Number seven from the conference round, Cooper Cup, eleven receptions. 142 yards and two touchdowns. He was the marquee guy for that whole conference championship week. I mean, like, there there weren't a lot of, like, tremendous performances that week. And and, and they there were close games, but, they, I mean, 142 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he, he reminded everybody, like, hey, I was the best receiver this year. And, and he was. I mean, uh, and he, he just... And and it's great having a compliment like Odell Beckham, and it's great to have Matt Stafford throwing to you. Uh, but I got to tell you, man, I I like what Cooper Cup did, and and he showed it every single week, even through the playoffs. Hey, I'm still the man. So I I mean the the connection like you said between Stafford and and Cooper Cup is something really really special. 142 yards, two touchdowns, nothing to sneeze at. Obviously against a very very good San Francisco defense. So, yeah, Cooper Cup getting it done, gets his team. I mean, he was almost single-handedly responsible for getting him into the Super Bowl, really. So, yeah, great performance by him. Number six from the divisional round, Josh Allen, 27 for 37, 329 yards and four touchdowns. He, I felt so bad for him because he did everything he possibly could to win that football game. And it really looked, I mean, the guy had a 145.8 QBR in that game. Like, he, he couldn't have performed any better. And it was just, it's just, it's Mahomes, you know? It's Mahomes and the Chiefs. And I, I was really, we, we all thought going into that week, and I felt so bad for him because you could just see the dejected look on his poor face after he went and had such a, just a tremendous performance. It's like what but, else? What else you want the, need the man to do? There's nothing else he could have done. Yeah, I mean, he he was out there. I mean, the, even when they were they were covering everybody so well because the Chiefs defense really covered everybody really well in this game uh, in the passing game. He's out there hitting a guy that's technically speaking a number four receiver for huge numbers. I mean, he was he was all over the place and Josh Allen really, I mean, he had, I mean, the 11 carries for 68 yards on the ground too. I, I mean, huge performance by him. And uh, I, I'm waiting for that moment. I'm hoping that there's going to be that moment for Josh Allen where he finally exercises the demon of the Kansas city chiefs because they are just the bane of his existence right now, particularly in the playoffs. I'm waiting for that moment where, where, uh, you know, he just finally says enough is enough and takes the Chiefs down. I'm waiting for it. And I'm hoping he gets that moment. And I'm hoping I would love to see 
the Bills make it to that Super Bowl pinnacle again. And uh, eventually, I'm, I'm sure they will. But man, the Chiefs, man, again, take them out of the playoffs. Just a rough go for the Bills here. Number five from the divisional round, Cooper Cup. Nine receptions, 183 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Cooper Cup a lot because he had himself some great performances uh, in these games. And, uh, yeah, I, I I mean, he, he was just great all throughout the playoffs. Uh, and, and he has nine receptions for 183 and a touchdown. Let's not forget, this was a game against the Bucs where, where he caught a bomb from Matt Stafford at the end of the game to set them up for a game-winning field goal. Mm-hmm. He's, I mean, this, this was all, that was, I mean, and it was, a, it seemed like that pass was just falling forever, didn't it? It did. Yeah, I mean, it was up there. It was almost like a punt. Um, but he, he put, again, put that team on his back. I mean, he had a touchdown in this game, but then he goes out and he catches a, a, a huge pass from Stafford, gets him in field Which goal. Which was a gorgeous throw by Stafford, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, beautiful. And it, it, I mean, it was right in the bucket. But yeah, he had himself a, a an outstanding game. Cooper Cup did. I, I just, I mean, he's he's going to be talked about. I mean, would you put this this playoff run from Cooper Cup up there with just about any playoff run? I mean, even from quarterbacks and whatnot. I mean, he, he, we're talking about him in basically every round here, right? It's up there. It's yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's wild. It's wild the the numbers this guy was putting up and and he showed why he was the best receiver in the league this year. I mean, in he could right now it's a, a question I think about Cooper Cup just while we're on this topic. I think it's a question of Cooper Cup being more consistent and proving that he's not going to be an injury prone guy. I think if Cooper Cup is more consistent for the next three or four years, you're talking about this guy in your top five, right? Potentially, yeah. I mean, if you see. I, the- this level of performance. I just look at it from a level of this year. Yes, he's he's blown out expectations. But let's let's not forget that up until this year, and, and not counting last year because he was hurt. Um, but he he is usually outperformed by Robert Woods usually. Yeah, yeah usually. So this is the first time he's really gotten to step up in that role. So I I need to see more to put him in my five. I agree. I agree with that. I need to see more for for the next several years. But I do think he's a top ten receiver in this league. It, yeah, it, I agree. It's going to take um, a few a few more years of consistent performances, but I mean, in this one again, another good defense. I mean, he he did it to the Bucks defense. Yeah, he just takes them down. It's it's incredible. This is this is a, a playoff run, I think, from Cooper Cup that rivals anybody's. You know, we've seen some great playoff runs from different players, uh, from running back performances to you know quarterback performances, and I think this rivals any one of them, whether it be. You know, Eli Manning or Joe Flacco or whoever else. I mean, mm-hmm. those runs, I think this rivals those runs. I think it's right up there with them. For sure. For sure. Number four from Wild Card Weekend, Josh Allen. 21 for 25, three, 308 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, the, the whopping five touchdown performance uh, really laid waste to the Patriots. I, I think the Bills got tired of hearing about, you know, oh, Mac Jones beat you and he only threw three passes. And they, they, they got tired of hearing about that. And, and they, they really took him down a peg. Um, 
and and one guy that I really want to mention in this this whole situation because yeah, Josh Allen he did have himself a monster performance, but let's not uh, and and this is kind of just off topic here. But Devin Singletary also had himself a really great game in that in that oh, game. Yeah. So I mean we and we've seen that before from Singletary. I don't know if he's going to wind up being that special you know running back that we all thought he was going to be a couple of years ago at the end of last season. But it's so he, he's so Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And it was it was really something to behold, but he, he had himself a solid game, too. But I mean, Josh Allen, man, that, that guy and the accuracy, 21 for 25. I mean, and he had a he had a, a 158.3 QBR in this game, too. Perfect QBR. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's two games in a row. And that's also the second time he's on this list. Yep. Uh, uh, in a playoff game against arguably one of the best defenses in the league, a team that I think they had a top five defense this year in the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's something to, it's something to really think about there. I, like I said, I think, I think the, the bills got tired of hearing all about that three pass game that they lost against the Patriots and just said, nah, no, everybody's going to talk about this ass whooping we're going to give you in the playoffs. And they, they did it 47, 17 in that game. I mean, <laughs> Josh Allen was the main reason for it. Probably one of the best QB performances from the entire playoff. I, I just thought it was something special. There's so, yeah. a lot of good performances. Yeah, I agree with him being here. Number three from Wild Card Weekend, Patrick Mahomes, 30 for 39, 404 yards, five touchdowns, but did throw a pick that kind of wasn't his fault. Yeah, it's um, this was the ass whooping we expected it to be, right? I mean, yes, this is, this is against the Steelers, a yeah. team who... It was they were going to kind of ask what, no matter who they played in this in this this game. Yeah, I agree. I, I they're, think they're 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 a number one they're a number two team to they're they're a number one team disguised as a two seed. Yeah, I agree. They they really were were on that upward traje- uh, trajectory at the end of the season. There, Mahomes going thirty for thirty nine, four hundred and four and five touchdowns, and and he did have a I mean his QBR. I I think without that one pick, his QBR would probably been perfect too. His QBR in this game was a 147.2, so he might have he, he could have wound up with that 158. Yeah, point. you don't usually have a QBR that high with a pick involved, right? So I mean, it's it's makes me think that it would have been a perfect QBR without the pick. But I mean, the Steelers, we expected them, like I said, for the we expected the Chiefs just to kind of stomp the Steelers. They did that. Patrick Mahomes comes out and does Patrick Mahomes things, and you know, retires Big Ben and sends him off into the. the into the the you know sunset there but you know Patrick Mahomes these are the performances we expected from him and and we didn't get those early on in the season and it seemed like after about week six or seven he said okay I need to turn on the Jets and he did so I and and you remember at the beginning of the season I think we were about week six going why are the Chiefs at the bottom of this division so and then they never were again yeah, and they, they never were again. They came back, they came back firing, and they wound up in the two seed. And you're right, they they were a one seed disguised as the two seed. And and this is Patrick Mahomes doing what Patrick Mahomes does. So I'm with you here. I, I think this was a uh, a solid performance from him, in spite of the fact that it was against a Steelers team that really honestly had no business in the playoffs as far as I'm concerned. But still a good defense. Yeah, still a, still a good, I would say probably a middle-of-the-road defense. I don't know if they were in the top 10. Um, they weren't. I think it was be, more because you got to think um, it was a situation where they're, they're a great defense that suffered from being on the field too long. 
Yeah. Because the offense couldn't perform. I agree. And and it's it's the same thing the Vikings deal with every year. So <laughs> I mean that's where we're at. But yeah, we we've got the um the performance from Mahomes, no doubt, was was rock solid. I think he had a really great, great game in this situation. Number two from the divisional round. Patrick Mahomes. Again. 33 for 44, 378 yards, three touchdowns, plus another 68 in the ground and a touchdown on the ground. Yeah, he had himself a, an awesome performance. And it was one of those things where we weren't sure if the, if he was going to be able to to bring it back. The big story, obviously, the 13 seconds he, he took to get down the field and kick the tying field goal in, in just a 13-second a span. That That is the thing that will haunt the Buffalo Bills for a while is 13 seconds. I mean, it, it's, yes. that, that is almost as haunting as the 28 to three for the Falcons. I mean, this, that's one of those things where everybody's going to go, ha ha, we got you 13 seconds. <laughs> and every time that they go to Arrowhead and every time you, you have Chiefs fans, I bet you they're going to see those fucking signs that just have 13 seconds on it. I mean, you're, you're going to see that type of thing. It's, it's it's weird. Like every, every every team's starting to develop these like these um horror stories that you can you can just say one thing and it just haunts them. Like you yeah. just go thirteen seconds, yeah, twenty eight to three. Yeah, should have ran the ball. Should have ran it. Anderson uh, wide left. I mean, Stefan Stefan Diggs. Yeah, Saints. Uh, Julio Jones for the Broncos. Uh, <laughs> the, the list goes on. Yeah, it's it's become this this. Uh, nightmarish thing and and recently it obviously with the proliferation of so, social media it becomes 10 times more <laughs> worse. But, you know, but i mean it really this this is going to be you know one of those things that that situation is going to haunt him patrick mahomes he had himself a great game in this in this uh, uh in this uh game against the bills i i just thought he was just uh, he was outstanding and and then that's what we get from from Patrick Mahomes. That's what we've learned from Patrick Mahomes. And, and, and Mahomes I, again, one of the up there with Cup. One of the even though not in the Super Bowl, one of the most prolific uh, playoff runs again by Patrick Mahomes here. Yeah, he he's had three three years like that in a row now, where he's had great playoff runs. And and really, I mean, the he fell apart at the end of the game against the Bengals. I mean, he went. We we, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, um, or, or last week actually, where he had a, you know, ninety eight QBR going into that situation, and then it dropped to like a one point six in the second half. I mean, it was it was that bad. He just he fell apart after that. Um, it, if if he made it to the bowl, I there's no doubt in my mind that that we'd be talking about Patrick Mahomes. Probably. I think so winning that Super Bowl. I think so. I, I think we would. I think the Bengals put a damper on that. But yeah, another I, I, I think the Bills would have won the Super Bowl. Yeah. If if the Bills had stopped him here, the Bills would have won the ball. I mean that that could have been something. So I mean But you know, you know, woulda coulda shoulda can run for miles. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that's what it is. Shit in one hand and wish in the other, which fills up first, right? Yep. <laughs> and you know how that always ends. Yep. So this this is the the situation here, but yeah, I agree. Patrick Mahomes, another great game for him, uh, a, another top playoff performance. He looked great uh, all throughout these playoffs uh, until that that second half of that conference championship round. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't play well, the Chiefs don't win. That's yep. that's the narrative here, right? Exactly. Yep, that's it. But number one, and we're talking about playoff long 
performances of all time, but what we have here is arguably the greatest individual stat line for an individual game, and that's Gabriel Davis. Divisional round, eight receptions, 201 yards, and count them, one, two, three, four touchdowns. Four touchdowns in this game. And you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and take a step back, and I'm going to say you can just throw, you can dump all that credit onto me. You can go ahead and start saying, Scott, you were fucking right, because you know what? I'm sta- I said to you at, at the, in the offseason this past offseason, I said it the year before, Gabriel Davis should be given a shot, and he wasn't given a shot. He wasn't given a shot with with because they brought in Emmanuel Sanders, and and they keep just shoving him down the list. Oh, Cole Beasley, he's he's below Cole Beasley, and I kept saying Gabriel Davis. I think this guy is a stud. I think he's going to be something special, and and it took all year for him to finally get that situation that that you know opportunity to emerge, and he finally emerged and. I really think that after this year, I think Emmanuel Sanders just lost his job to Gabriel Davis. And I think that if I'm looking over, I'm going Cole Beasley probably just lost his job to Gabriel Davis after this one performance. We've seen this happen in the past where where a guy comes out in a big game situation and blows the fuck up. We've seen it. And we saw it with Jordy Nelson in the Super Bowl. And then the next year, he's the number one receiver for the, the Packers. I just, I really believe in Gabriel Davis, and I so hope that the catalyst I'm, for him. I'm going, I'm going to, um, I'm, I'm going to let you have that moment in the best Kanye, Kanye West moment possible here. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, let's not forget it is just one game. Yeah, it is. But in that game, he showcased a talent that he hasn't showed in his whole career. Yeah, and and so I think, I those think- games usually turn into them getting that opportunity, but. He's gonna have to roll with it, and I'm, I'm not gonna say he's gonna he's gonna fumble that opportunity, but he's, he's still got, he's still got a lot to prove to, to to get some believers. Right, I agree, and and th- these are the situations though where I I take a step back and I go, this guy could be the real deal. We could see a a, uh, a Jordy Nelson situation here where he has that one big game, and I don't think he's gonna wind up being the number one in Buffalo. Obviously, no, I don't think he's gonna pass Diggs. I still think very highly on Diggs. I, yeah. Although I will say Steph Diggs had a stupidly quiet playoff this year. Playoff, yes. Yeah. Right right at the end of the season, it seemed like Steph Diggs was was quiet. And actually, it was a pretty quiet year for him in general. I mean, he, he was yeah, not. Yeah, he, he was Diggs. still, what, 1,200 yards, was it? I mean, Something so like that. In, in terms of, like, a year as a whole, it's a great year. But it, it is a step down from the year prior. Yeah. So I hate using the word regression on a 1,200-yard on a receiver. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Because he still, because while he's had 300 yard, less yards, he had two more touchdowns. So I, I'm, I'm willing to call it a wash. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, points, points are what matters. It's, so it's weird. It, technically, a regression, yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Stefan Diggs is declining when it's realistically his second best season in his career. Yeah, he, he did have over 100 receptions still. Um, it was a, it was a decline though. It was a 24, 24 less receptions this year. And uh, he he I think he dropped by about 400 yards, didn't he? About 300. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was something. But it was still his second second most yards in his career, second most receptions, first yeah. most touchdowns. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting thing. I I I like Steph Diggs. It's something to keep an eye on, though. 
who their number two is going to be. And I think a lot of teams were just eyeing Steph Diggs because I think they realized that Diggs, as far as um, anybody else on that team, Cole Beasley, he's good. He's not great. Emmanuel Sanders isn't going to be your number one. He's he's kind of washed, I think, at this point. And But I, I do really think Gabriel Davis in this situation is this is a, an opportunity for him. And I hope he capitalizes on that opportunity. I kept saying the Bills need to use Gabriel Davis for a while, and they finally did, and it worked. I really hope that that he gets the opportunity. So and it and it could play out that way. I, I guess I look at it from the stance of two. The Chiefs basically said, "We're taking digs from you. You're going to have to beat us with somebody else." And the Bills tried, and, and they through all efforts, the Chiefs were right. Yeah, and they nearly did. They, they nearly, nearly did through no faults of 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 the of the Bills' offense. Right. I mean, they, there was there was. I mean, they they did the right thing. They they used Gabriel Davis and they beat him. They almost beat him with Gabriel Davis. I mean, that that was the the big story there. So I I agree that was and and I'm hoping I'm hoping that they um, you know get back there. I would really love to see what Gabriel Davis can do in the future. But that was one of the best performances I think I've ever seen um, out of anybody in the playoffs. Just a tremendous performance from Gabriel Davis. But Tyler, I have five that I think you forgot about. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and jump into Braytown's Forgotten Five. Braytown's Forgotten Five. And I have five that I think you forgot about. And you you got a lot of those those uh, big performances. But I want to talk about these five guys. Well, it's more than five five people. But, I mean, we got to give an entire defense credit eventually here. But Number five I want, is I want to start with Joe Burrow in the divisional round. Uh, 28 for 37, 348 yards. He had 103.7 QBR after being sacked nine times. I, I mean, just what a performance from Joe Burrow, right? It was a great performance. Kind of a hot take considering he had no touchdowns. But I, I see why you did it. I mean, he, he put the team on his back despite being harassed for yeah. 60 minutes. Yeah, for 60 minutes he got pounded. I mean, uh, all all game long, no touchdowns. Yeah, but I mean, still, twenty eight for thirty seven for three forty eight and one hundred and three point seven QBR, getting hit that much. I think that's a big deal. I think it really showed a, a true leadership quality from him, and I, I loved every second of it. So that's why I got Joe Burrow as number five on this list. Uh, number four, you want to talk about Super Bowls? We got T Higgins in the Super Bowl. Uh, four receptions, a hundred yards, two touchdowns. The reason he's kind of lower on this list, I mean, it, it sounds like a really pretty stat line. About seventy-five yards of that, we talked about it earlier. Seventy-five yards of his of his um, uh, yardage was off of a face mask that went for a touchdown. He face masked uh, Jalen Ramsey. At the same time, I don't know that I can entirely fault him for it because, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So T. Higgins, four receptions for 100 yards. Do you think T. Higgins deserves to be a number one in this league? Do you think he could be a number one in this league? Because I think he can. Uh, I don't know. Yes and no, because he had the opportunity last year and kind of weirdly was decent at times with the not at others. Um. I think he's a high. I think he's a he's a low end one, high end two. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. I I like T Higgins coming out of the draft. Uh, I was really big on him. I wanted the Vikings to go get him. They wound up getting Justin Jefferson. I'm totally not mad about that. But you know, T Higgins, I always was really big on him. He's a really big bodied guy. He really knows how to go up and make those contested catches. And the Bengals have learned how to use him as a red zone threat 
more than anything. And whenever they get into the red zone, it seems like T. Higgins is catching a pass in the corner of the end zone. Um, I, I really like T. Higgins a lot. Four receptions for 100 yards, two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. I, I have a feeling, to be honest with you, you know, as much as everybody likes Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow didn't have a, as tremendous of a performance. I think T. Higgins may have wound up with a Super Bowl MVP after this game if, he, if they had won, right? Uh, Probably. I think that's where it was headed. I mean, he was the, the guy, the playmaker there. So, well, everybody's talking about Jamar Chase. Let's not forget about T. Higgins. Uh, number three goes to Travis Kelsey in the conference round. Ten receptions, 95 yards, and a touchdown. A really good performance from Travis Kelsey in the, in the conference round. He was trying to keep his team alive throughout this whole thing. Tyreek was kind of having a hard time. Travis Kelsey is Mahomes' favorite target. I love everything that he does out there as a tight end. He's. Uh, do you still think he's the best tight end in the league? Or are you big on Andrews? Or what's your what's your stance? Here? Um, Kelsey. I have Kelsey at two. Who's at um, one? Mark Andrews. Um, your bias I, is showing. No, I I don't think it is. I I think Mark Andrews has been on on this absolute rise, and I, and I already had him at like two slash three last year. Right. Like I I just I just in my heart of hearts couldn't put injury injury ridden Kittle or or Waller over over Andrews. Yeah, not now. No, I can't. even even before the season I I still didn't. I I called it close, but at this point, even if you have Andrews at two, he's he's lost the competition behind him. I but I think I, I do think, especially how the year that was this year, I do think there is an argument to, to make to have him at one. Right. But Kelsey, I'm, I'm not saying I, you almost call it one A one B because I because I, Kelsey was still an a, absolute animal this year. Right. He was. He, he had himself a, a great year. I like Travis Kelsey a lot, and and you know he he did have a little a few minor injuries this year, but ultimately, I mean. This is this is a, another great performance from Travis Kelsey in the conference title round, and and really the the Chiefs exploited that mismatch pretty nicely against the Bengals. Um, even though he didn't break 100 yards, we're talking 10 receptions for 95. That's huge. So Travis Kelsey winds up as number three. Number two goes to our Super Bowl MVP, Cooper Cup. Eight receptions, 92 yards, two touchdowns. Burned Eli Apple all day. Put the team on his back. I think Cooper Cup was was phenomenal in this game, and I'm totally in on on Cooper Cup with the eight receptions, 92, and two touchdowns. How about you? So yes, he had a very good game, and the reason he didn't this performance in the top ten was in a very similar reason to my reasoning for for Higgins. The touchdown at the end of the game is was sort of questionable because of of a couple questionable penalties that restarted the drive a couple times. Yeah, there were there was the um, the missing. Uh, the one was legit. It was, it was the second one. Yeah, the false start was was the bad one that they missed. It was it was a, a nasty false start coming off the line. Uh, I mean, it was blatant. It was a blatant false start, and uh, the they should have called it. They should have stopped the play. It didn't get stopped. I think it resulted in the touchdown there, but it was it was a blatant false start. Um, Cooper Cup winds up getting getting the uh, the touchdown there. I, I mean, gets the game winner, gets the Super Bowl MVP, caps off his performance. And on that drive, I will say this though, Cooper Cup on that drive was the man. Hundred I mean, percent. There was there was no way that they they could handle him. Uh, but number one, 
and I'm this is going to throw everybody for a loop, but I I got to bring it up because nobody's talking about it, and we should be. Number one performance for me goes to the 49ers defense and special teams in the divisional round against the Packers. They held Aaron Rodgers to 10 points, and all of their points were scored on special teams in that game. Every bit of them. Uh, they had the block punt for the touchdown. They had two field goals. It was a low-scoring game. But when you're able to hold Aaron Rodgers down the way that they held Aaron Rodgers down, and when you're able to to block a punt and, and harass Aaron Rodgers and, and put up all those points on special teams, that's pretty incredible to me. The, the, yeah, the, the Packers special teams had a meltdown in this game, but 49ers defense, I mean, they're the real deal, right? I mean, we've, we've been talking about them as one of the best defenses in the league. Here we are again. Well, and almost back to back weeks, because you could almost um, insert here and re- and put the 49ers defense against the Cowboys game in there as well. Right. Because you're talking about a, de- a defensive performance against the number one scoring offense. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the the 49ers defense and, and we always talk about defense. You, you said it on the show. Defense wins championships. And, and we've learned down the line that, yes, it does. But, man. What a performance. You basically put him down like old yeller. I mean, it was brutal. So the 49ers defense and special teams is my number one on Freytown's Forgotten Five for for the top performances in the playoffs this year. But I I, I just man, what yeah, a no, I'm with you there. Yeah. But so and, I'm I'm looking at the lists and I'm I've picked the uh, playoff perform the whole playoff MVP based on your t- my tenure five. Right. And it doesn't mean anything because this is more leading to a joke. Um, it's so Cooper you, have Cooper, you have Cooper Cup who had he had number five, number seven, and number two on yours mm-hmm. versus Patrick Mahomes who had a number two and number three on mine. It's like, <laughs> so I'm gonna call it a draw, except <laughs> except I'm going to have the tiebreaker go to Patrick Mahomes because he gets two extra points in, in very much Dumbledore Gryffindor style. In kicking his fiance and his brother out from games in the future, so Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is the MVP. Well, well, yeah, well, that makes him the MVP. But uh, I mean, I, <laughs> he, he claims that that everybody said it, like that they're just making shit up and whatever. And no, no, I didn't do that. We'll find out. I really hope that they're they're banned. I hope he did. I hope they're they're banned from games. Um, and, and yeah, I, I you saw the nasty comment that I left for old old Brittany Matthews. <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty funny. Um, she said, one year ago at this time, I was headed to the hospital to bring my sweet Sterling into the world. My baby girl is one year old today. And I asked the question. I mean, I thought it was worth asking. Now, curious question. When you brought her into the world, did you spray champagne on her to celebrate? Just asking for a friend. And <laughs> a lot of people have been loving the shit out of that comment. <laughs> but I digress. Um, if they are banned from games, yeah, he he wins at that point. I mean, I I don't care. I hate those two anyway. But yeah, so, Cooper Cup had an amazing through and through run. But it's just amazing how we Patrick Mahomes was in conversation every game they were in. And they yeah. and, if, and if they had beaten the Bengals in, in the in the championship game, Patrick Mahomes' performance, win or lose, probably would have been on this list too. Yeah, and I believe Patrick Mahomes probably would have won the Super Bowl. I really do. I think the Chiefs would have won that game. But maybe that's just me. But here we are. Uh, we've got some news around the league. 
We're going to take a quick break. We're going to go uh, jump in from a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Are you ready? Get ready, no. Get ready. And welcome back to Outside Whips. I'm your host, Tyler Dean. Yeah. Okay, and now we're gonna do a Tyler's top ten of ten reasons why Scott sucks. <laughs> oh man, and I that'd be a hard that'd be that'd be a hard list to get down to just ten. Oh God, yeah. Well, um, I'm your host or your co-host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown. Tyler, you were out of control during the Super Bowl, by the way. Well, completely out of control. I, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told I told Mr. Ray Collins because you harassed him so bad that I would have slapped the shit out of you during that whole thing. I got nothing. <laughs> but folks, we got some news around the league that we got to jump into. We got some elephants in the room. Um, we, we've got uh, elephants not named Tyler in the Super Bowl. What was that? Elephants not named Tyler at the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. We got coaching uh, uh, carousel stuff going on. We've got coordinators getting signed. We even have a retirement. So we're, we're all fired up. Uh, Tyler, let's jump into one of our elephants in the room. We just got done talking about the Super Bowl. Let's start talking about him a little more. Aaron Donald. He says he's going to return to the Rams, but only if they bring back Odell Beckham and Von Miller. We bring everybody back, and I'm back, he says. So... What do you think of this? What's your take on this this situation with with Aaron Donald? I mean, I know you and I are kind of in the same boat. I don't know that they have the cap space to do this. We may see Aaron Donald retire, right? You you might. Um, I don't know because he said that at the parade, correct? Yes. Okay, so taking uh, alcoholic courage, say. <laughs> um. I, I don't think he, at the moment, realizes the situation they're in because they're going to have a lot of issues. I don't think they can bring everybody back. I don't think they will be able to at all. I don't think it's possible either. Because um, Von I, Miller wants money. He doesn't want he doesn't want to just be on the team. He wants to get paid. Right. Which I can't necessarily blame him for. Yeah. I do think, you know, even though Von Miller, he had himself a really great run through the playoffs. And really, ever since they went and got him, he had himself a really solid run. I, I really think that Von Miller... Um, you may be able to get him on on a reasonable deal. He's not going to get signed to top linebacker money here. I mean, even even in spite of the Super Bowl victory, 
I don't think you get signed a top linebacker money. I think you're probably talking about maybe 11 to 12. And for Von Miller, I think that's pretty reasonable, especially. It's, with, it's reasonable. It's a bit of a discount, but it's also still pricey given their cap. Yeah, given their cap situation. I agree with that. So it, it's going to be an interesting thing. And then also, you know, so Odell Beckham, he went and suffered a torn ACL in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl victory. It was that same bum knee that, that uh, you know, he hurt, you know, when he was with the Giants. Odell says he'll come back on a team-friendly deal. He says he's willing. We've already talked about it last show. You know, he said he was willing to, to sacrifice salary to be a part of the Rams moving forward. Do you think Odell winds up back with the Rams I believe that they should just stick with the Robert Woods show, even though you've got both guys coming off ACL tears. I think the lateness of Odell's ACL tear is going to really put a damper on whether or not the Rams. Yeah, because Odell's for sure going to miss training camp and preseason and probably even a few games. Yeah, I think so. It depends on on how bad of a tear this was. I mean, it. it but he, he has a torn ACL. It was non-contact. He went down. He was holding it. And then, man, I don't know. I, I really don't know if the Rams are going to go ahead and, and uh, re-sign him. I, I would just let him walk and say, hey, give me Robert Woods and, and we're good. But, I mean, if Aaron Donald wants Odell back, we might see some weird shit going on over there in L.A. Um, one guy that definitely won't be returning, Ram safety Eric Weddle. He suffered a torn pectoral in the Super Bowl. He is re-retiring now that they've won a Super Bowl. Um, this is the first Super Bowl he's won, am I right? Yes. I, that's what I thought. I because I mean he played all he those Chargers, all the Chargers, a few years with Ravens, and then and now the Rams. Yeah, that's his first one. Yeah, so he he got a Super Bowl and he played extremely well in the playoffs. I'm I'm obviously I think Aaron Donald's okay with, you know Eric Weddle not returning in spite of the fact that Eric Weddle had himself a really good playoff run. Well, because yeah, Eric Weddle kind of came back to kind of help assist a uh, weakened team. Exactly. That's basically what I think. But the Rams did have a, a few moves that may affect them, you know, coaching-wise. And we'll, we'll start out with, so they went and hired the University of Kentucky offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen, as their new after uh, offensive coordinator. Uh, this comes after the bigger news, to me anyway, that their offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, officially gets announced as the Minnesota Vikings' new head coach. Um, they, they had their press conference. Uh, this week, O'Connell says he's excited to coach Kirk Cousins, but at the same time, during that presser, both O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa, they both seemed very non-committal to Kirk during that whole thing. First, let's start with the Liam, Liam Cohen move. I think this is a weird thing, right? I mean, I don't think Kentucky's offense was anything to write home about. No. I'm, I'm not sure why he's being brought in as the OC. No, that one that one feels weird. It does. I, I don't understand it. I, I get, you know, reaching out and picking up certain guys to to come to the, the pros and whatever. But I just I'm not a fan. I don't like it. I think this is just a weird situation. Uh, as for the Vikings, um, you know, Kevin O'Connell, it, I think this is a good signing from a straight up offensive type of mind. You know, he's an offensive head coach. That's kind of what they need. Mike Zimmer was sort of a dinosaur living all the way back in like the early nineties, still that run heavy and, and, you know, hardcore, hard nosed defensive type of coach and, and no nonsense kind of guy. And I liked Zimmer for a while, but the last few years has been pretty rough for him. And, and now you get Kevin O'Connell, 
first and foremost, and, and I want to point this out. So they made the comment that Kirk Cousins, they're excited to coach him, but Kirk Cousins reportedly has no intention of taking a restructured deal moving into 2022. That has been reported by several outlets now. See, first of all, do you think Kirk Cousins remains a Viking if he has no intention of taking a restructured deal? Mind you, they're $8 million over the cap, only 44 players rostered. They have some moves to make. Tyler, what do you make of this? I I think they figure it out. I I, I because of how strongly Connell's been on Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. I really do think, and I I don't I don't think he, Kirk Cousins is going to play under forty five million either. I I think between O'Connell and Kirk Cousins, they're going to figure it out. Now, one thing I want to mention: Do you think that this is a degree of upselling? I mean, them coming out there. I mean, why? If you're really re- why ready to go into the trade market with this guy, why would you be like, "Well, we don't want him"? You know, you know what I'm saying. I, I, and that could be too, but the, the report of, of O'Connell being high on Kirk Cousins has come from reports and not exactly O'Connell himself. So I, I would agree with you on the upselling thing if the sources were more internal. Right. Uh, but, but now it, it could very well be an upselling thing, and I could be completely wrong here. But I, at the same time, I don't know. I, I just see a, a situation where you've, you've got this this quarterback that is making such a stupid amount of money. He's got to take a restructure or else it's not going to work. And you got a lot of guys that, I mean, really, that you might have to send out the door. And then this team doesn't become competitive in 2022 anyway. I, it just seems silly to hang on to Kirk unless he's willing to take a massive, massive pay cut. And when I'm talking massive, I'm talking like not everybody saying, oh, hey, let's go ahead and give him $40 million a year and so on and so forth. I mean, that's that's nothing. That's chump change in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, you're, you're saving $5 million. That's chump change. But, but if you reduce Kirk Cousins' contract considerably, and we're talking $20 million, then we're having a conversation. But, see, and see, I don't think if he does take a pay cut, it's not going to be down to twenty. Yeah, and that's a problem. If I could he, see him. I could see him agreeing to like thirty. Yeah, and that's an issue. Obviously, that's an issue but, because you'd be in a situation where you where you could, if if you if the Kirk Cousins thing could cause an inadvertent loss of like a Daniel Hunter. Yeah, it can it can re- result in Daniel Hunter. It can result in and and I wouldn't mind Daniel Hunter being traded for for draft picks. I wouldn't mind uh, a situation where Dalvin Cook gets traded for draft picks or Adam Thielen gets traded for draft picks. Those are three big contracts. But, man, we got to make some degree of room. And and uh, I I just see that trade market for Kirk Cousins, and I see what is out there, and I go, hmm, this is interesting. And, and you know, uh, along that same line, the Packers are reportedly not taking phone calls from the Denver Broncos who were so interested in Aaron Rodgers. And it makes me think more and more that Kirk Cousins could be on the move and you could see him in Denver. The The Broncos want Rodgers, but hey, you know, if if they can't get Rodgers and the Packers are doing all these things, which they are, they're doing all these different things to try and keep Aaron Rodgers. They in- brought, yeah, they brought a coach out of retirement. Right. So, I mean, you you have all these different things going on, and, and we talked about it last show when they brought a coach out of retirement because it was it was Aaron Rodgers' favorite quarterback coach. They're really trying to make those concessions. Apparently, they refuse to answer the phone when the Broncos call. 
they're really focused on keeping him in Green Bay. I think Kirk Cousins could be on the move, and I think that Denver might be the team that comes calling. And with George Patton being the former general manager or assistant general manager with the Vikings, this could be a move. We could see it. Uh, but yeah, Kevin O'Connell, the new Vikings head coach. I'm actually kind of stoked about O'Connell as a coach, but man, I really hope that him and Quazy, for their sake, aren't going to be hitching their wagon to Kirk Cousins because if they do, I don't see him lasting more than three years. I'll, I'll go as far as that. And you know, it's 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 going to be interesting, and and you you can segue this into whatever one you want because there's a lot of them. This is going to be one of the weirdest and wildest quarterback shuffling off season in a while potentially. You have Aaron Rodgers that could be on the move. You have Kirk Cousins. You have Kyler Murray. You have Russell Wilson. You have Baker Mayfield. You have potentially Derek Carr. And I'm, there's there's a list of five others. That... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and we're, we're going to talk about those quarterbacks momentarily. I also want to point out the Vikings, they hired Mike Pettin as their, and as an assistant coach. And they also hired the Rams passing game coordinator and tight ends coach Wes Phillips as their new OC. Um, that's a great offensive coordinator hire, right? I like Wes Phillips. I think I think that's a good move. Yeah, I think that's really smart, especially with how their passing game has been over the last several years. I think Wes Phillips is a smart play for the Vikings, so they get away with one. But you're over here talking about this this quarterback stuff. You mentioned Derek Carr. The Raiders are currently working on an extension for Derek Carr. They plan to commit to him for the, the future here. I think this is a smart play. I like Derek Carr. I, I really don't think he gets enough enough credit over there for what he does in, with uh, the Raiders, right? Oh, 100%. I've, I've always been a big fan of Derek Carr. Yeah, when he got when he was getting drafted, I said this kid could be the the you know it was I'll I'll never forget this. I I was with my my ex fiance. We were at a at a wedding and her family. We were at a big table and we were talking football and talking about the draft. And I mentioned that I thought Kirk Cousins could or I'm sorry not Kirk Cousins Derek Carr rather could wind up being the best quarterback out of that draft class. And I said I I really think this kid is going to be something special. I was watching him and man, his arm looked good and he was pretty accurate. I think he could be something special. And they all laughed at me and said, oh, he's not even going to be a starter in this league. He's trash. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Well, who's laughing now? Because Derek Carr is about to get an extension from the Raiders. I've always been a fan of Derek Carr. As soon as he got drafted, he was a third round guy, if I'm not mistaken. I thought he was awesome. So I'm excited to see him getting his shot and and finally getting a a monster contract because that's basically what he's going to get. But hopefully it doesn't cripple the Raiders. But I think they're in a pretty good cap situation moving forward. They also went and hired the Patriots wide receiver, uh, wide receivers coach Mike Lombardi as the new offensive coordinator. This is one I'm not excited about with the Patriots. They notoriously have had bad wide receivers, um, and and now the Raiders are taking them in. And I, I get that they're doing this whole Patriot way thing because, and that's just kind of seems like how it goes whenever a, a a coordinator or a coach comes from the Patriots and goes to another team. This is just a stupid move, right? I, I don't, I don't agree. With yeah. That. It's, it's really a head scratcher. It's I, I don't, I don't understand this one. No, I don't, I don't like that. I, and, and there, there are wide receivers have notoriously been bad over there with, with the Patriots for a while. I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't ugh. and, and like I said, I, we saw this Patriot Way bullshit go on with with the Lions all those years with with Matt Patricia coming over and then he's bringing all of his coordinators and he's bringing all of his players from you know that that became free agents but the the Patriots just let him walk and he's trained for players from the Patriots and 
Like, look, the Patriot Way bullshit doesn't work outside of unless your name's Bill Belichick with the Patriots. <laughs> and that's what these guys need to understand. I think this is just silly. Um, it, it's a bad move. I'm, I'm not a fan. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that works out. Um, speaking of the Patriots, they went and named college scouting director Matt Groh as their new director of player personnel. I think this is smart. The Patriots have notoriously been good in the draft. I, I think this is a smart play, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I actually I feel differently about the Patriots' draft history. I think it's been pretty bad. but It depends. So- it it depends, really, because, I mean, I think that they, they notoriously fuck up first-round picks, but their second and third and fourth-round picks, always their day-two picks always seem to be better than their day-one picks. Yeah, it's like they spend too much time doing the deep dive. Yeah, I agree. They, oh, wait, we got to draft a first-rounder? Well, they're all good. Just pick one. Yeah, just grab one. <laughs> yeah, and and like I I agree with that. I I think the fir- the first round they're they're horrible, but then you go into like the second, third, and fourth round, it's like oh wow, that's a good fucking player they just got there. I can't believe that guy was available. And everybody kind of shits a brick as soon as I, I remember a couple years ago. I was sitting on the couch and we were laughing, going oh man, what a terrible pick by the Patriots. And then that Nikhil Harry, and that second you know, round, you the first round. Yeah, it was Nikhil Harry that went in the first round. But the, the, the second round came, and we were just like, oh, shit. <laughs> I forgot that guy was even on the board. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> so we've seen that before from uh, from the Patriots. But, I mean, you, you are right. They kind of do that deep dive. I think this is a smart move, though. I mean, they, for, for the guys they get later in the draft, if this guy can nail a first-round pick, I think they, they've got it in the bag, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If they can get that first round thing figured out, they're they're going to be in good shape. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, speaking of first round picks that came out of that Nikhil Harry draft, and this one's for you, and I, I it's kind of funny actually. And I sent the oh, link God. to you. Ravens wide receiver Marquise Hollywood Brown may retire to pursue a career in gaming. I'm I'm not kidding. I know it's a rumor. It doesn't seem like a lot of it's really metastasized at all. It's since you sent that, it's it's only been that one article from some offshoot yeah. reporter. Yeah. But it's it's just funny. <laughs> I mean, is he that bad? <laughs> no, he's not. He, he, he's been actually been one of the um players that every year has gotten better. Yeah, I just it's funny to me. It's just funny. It's one of those things like if if that were to happen, I would I would be making jokes about, you know, going to gaming. I'm going to quit my job and go be a gamer. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be angry. It's not, like, it's not like we're losing like the top five receiver. I mean, he's had a rough start. He's definitely not a bust. He's been good. He's gotten better. I, I don't know. I'd be angry if I were you because you guys don't have dick for receivers. Well, no, I'd, I'd be angry if he left, but <laughs> I, I do think Bateman's going to take him over. Yeah, I think Bateman's going to be the new number one over there. He's, but, he's poor man's Michael Thomas over there right now. Yeah, and I think he gets better the full offseason versus being hurt. I agree. But but on Brown, no, I, I don't think this is going to end up being too much of a newsworthy thing. I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think he's he's going to be sticking around, but it's, it's still kind of a funny uh, situation for him <laughs> and really for you as well. 
Um, I also want to point out, so you, you have a free agent defensive lineman coming up, Calais Campbell. He's, uh, says he's definitely not retiring, quote-unquote. He's 35 years old. His contract runs out, ran out after the end of the season. Um, do you think the Ravens bring him back? They had him on a pretty team-friendly deal, $8 million a year. Pretty good for Which uh, is interesting because when the season started, he was talking about retiring. Yeah. He so said, that's kind of telling me that he's going, nah, the season don't count. Yeah, he's he's not happy with how it how it went down. So I kind of think he stays, but if he wants too much, the Ravens are going to let him walk. They don't overpay. Yeah, I agree. His his contract was valued at, valued at eight million, uh, you know, per year. He wound up making this past year. He made thirteen, so they they backloaded it. But I think the Ravens, if they can get him on on another deal, kind of like that, I think they're in good shape, right? I think it'd be a one year deal. It'll be his last season. Yeah, I think that's kind of where it's headed. Uh, elsewhere around that division, you get the Bengals. They uh, are in contract contract negotiations with safety Jesse Bates. Do you think this is a good move? I know you weren't real big on Bates this year. Uh, well, I like Bates. I, I I think you definitely bring him back. I I just think he was over, he was a little overshadowed. Yeah, he was he was a little overrated. I think. But I I think you definitely bring him back. He's been good enough. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he he kind of. He meshes really well with that team and in that secondary. Um, and even though he didn't have himself a tremendous year, I think you know he deserves to to get that deal. I also want to say that uh, Bengals they go ahead and they sign head coach Zach Taylor to an extension through 2026. This was a really smart signing, right? I I mean, guy gets you to a bowl two years in. This is a smart play by Zach for Zach Taylor, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No brainer. No brainer. You you get a guy, you get a team to the bowl, and after two years, yeah, yeah, you're in, man. You're you're with us. So you're in the club. Yeah, yeah. So Zach Taylor signed through 2026, and the Bengals also had a retirement happen. Uh, safety Ricardo Allen he retires after eight seasons. Um, he had a solid career from 2015 to 2018, and he he kind of like really declined. And you know the later years, these last couple of years, he's been a little rough around the edges. I think this is kind of a loss. I, I really wish that that another team would have picked him up uh, down the line. He played with the with the Falcons for a little bit, and then he goes to the Bengals, and he doesn't really get much playing time. Ricardo Allen, do you think he should have just stuck around and gone to another team? Or I, I mean, he declined a little bit, but I think he could have gotten at least a reasonable deal from somebody, right? I, I think you're right. I, I think he could have. It, it, so it feels like a weird one. Yeah, strange. And, and it's very early, weirdly early, too. I mean, he... He, he made some decent money, but man, I, it's just a confusing retirement. Uh, speaking of the Falcons, they went and released the linebacker and pass rusher Dante Fowler ahead of free agency. I'm not so sure how I feel about that. Uh, Dante Fowler is a good player. He is. He he's been a little injury ridden and in a little bit of a down of a down year. Yeah. So so he's gonna end up signing somewhere for for a deal. Yeah, he he had a down year this this uh, past year. I, I mean, obviously his his um, last couple of years really. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at his PFF grade from this year, and and obviously it was a little low, 55.9. He had a, a decent pass rush grade. But, I mean, he was with the Falcons this year, whose defense is notoriously bad. 2020 again, another kind of questionable year. Last time he was relevant was 2019 when he had a, a 72 overall grade and his pass rushing was at a 73.3. Sometimes I just feel like these teams don't know how to utilize this guy, right? It's possible. Yeah, I, I mean, 
they, they, his pass rush grades are, are just have been tremendous for like a while now for the last five years. I mean, and then, and then his rookie year, it was like, eh, his run defense was good, but man, I, I just don't feel like the Falcons don't know how to utilize him. I feel like if a team utilized him in the way that they, they use like a Micah Parsons, he could be in great shape. So I don't, I don't understand the move here. I don't, I, it just seems silly to me. I, I, I think the Falcons just don't know what they had, and it seems that way over with, with the Falcons. Uh, all this year, they didn't know what they had. They didn't know what they had with Calvin Ridley. They barely used him. And then he said, well, the hell with you. And now Calvin Ridley, we talked about it on last show, kind of wants out of Atlanta right now. So, Well, we don't even know if Calvin is going to play, though, because he's in some weird mental funk right now. Well, yeah, but he apparently he's unhappy with the team, and he wants to be traded. And he, he's asked, he's requested a trade. I mean, you could see him go too. I, I just think the Falcons just don't know what they have in certain players. And this is another one of those situations. Fowler, yeah, he had a down year this past year. But you know what? Fowler is a good player. And if used mm-hmm. correctly, he kind of changes the the game for people. So I, I think Dante Fowler's a loss for the, the Falcons. I think that's just a silly release. And somebody's going to get a good pass rusher out of that situation, right? Yeah, 100%. They're going to get him on discount too. No, no doubt. Um, also around that division, the Saints, they, they're set to retain their offensive coordinator, Dennis Carmichael, as the offensive coordinator under new, under new head coach, Dennis Allen. This is a smart play. You're retaining your guy. You're keeping him on board. He's been around as the OC for a while. You know him. You know what he's doing. I think this is smart, right? It is. The uh, hire from within thing always feels like a weird cop-out because it's not usually the sexy pick. Right. But it it works for a lot of teams. Yeah, it does. It does work for a lot of teams. And I think this is one of those times where it's really going to work for the Saints. This is a, a smart play. They know what this guy is, is good at. They know what he's, he's you know, they, they know what his scheme is going to be. I, I don't think changing the status quo there is is very smart. You need to go ahead and draft your QB of the future now that you're, you're you know, dealing with the, the Hill situation. If you don't think he's the guy, then you need to go draft your QB of the future. Like, and, who predicted that one? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah, you did. But if you don't think he's going to be the guy, then you draft your QB of the future and you move on. That's just what it is. And so the same because I, I think the way their season started, you're in a situation where you, um, I, I'm almost not against trusting Winston right now. Yeah, and Winston he played if, well. If but Winston, if I'm not mistaken, is a free agent, so they might wind up going have to go and get him. True. And, but there's also a lot of quarterbacks available. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of guys out there, and there's a lot of trades going on. So we're going to see what the the Saints do. But I think this is a smart play. Maintaining their OC, this is this is smart. I I I agree with them promoting from within and keeping them around. Um, and also speaking of stuff going on within the Chiefs, uh, this Eric Bieniemy contract situation. Eric Bieniemy's contract has expired. We talked about this on the last show. Apparently, there were some issues with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, as far as Bienemy and Mahomes, and apparently they, there was an issue with a timeout at the end of the game in the conference championship round. Mahomes was trying to call a timeout when they didn't have a timeout. I, I, and and Bienemy's pointing the finger at Mahomes. Mahomes is pointing the finger at Bienemy. There's players pointing the fingers everywhere. I, I just think, okay, well, Bienemy needs to go to greener pastures. But at the same time, I think Bienemy, and I know you're not big on him. I, this guy's a good OC. Somebody's going to sign him. Somebody's going to bring him on. I, I just I'm amazed by the fact that he only received like two head coach interviews. 
that's the confusing thing about this Eric Bieniemy situation. I don't well, know. It, see, and the thing, and the thing is, is, is it, we're, we're not there yet. So I'm, I'm not gonna go and count my eggs here. But it's the second straight year in which he's not gotten a lot of looks, even though we both felt like he should have. Right. But now we're seeing this issue kind of come to light within the team. Maybe there's maybe there's something here that we don't know, and and they, maybe the enemy's not the players coach enough that teams even want him. Maybe maybe he's kind of a, a weird finger pointer that players don't like that you, that you don't want to be on your team. Right. I, I because I, it does, as much as I I, I no I I'm not a big fan of the enemy, but I still stand by he had every reason to have every every job opening should have at least interviewed him. Yeah, everybody should have interviewed him. But the fact they haven't for the second straight year tells me there's something about him off the field that we don't know. And here we are where these rumors are beginning. Right. And and I I I think that this situation with the enemy, to be honest with you, I really think that that he's going to wind up getting hired somewhere. And whichever team finally breaks down and hires him, they're going to be happy they did. I really believe that. I, I, you know, and I, like I said, I know you're not big on him. I just, I really think that, that this situation with, with, uh, the enemy and, and Mahomes is kind of, it's kind of a wild thing. I, I don't know. I, I think the enemy should be hired. I think he should be hired on as an OC somewhere if he's not going to get hired on by the chiefs and if whoever gets him as an OC, they, they're going to be real happy when they get him. And, and I think people aren't giving him a fair shake. So we're going to wait and see what happens with Eric Bieniemy, but also in Chiefs land here, cornerback Chris Lamons. He was uh, arrested in connection with the Alvin Kamara battery case. Uh, we, we talked about last week, Alvin Kamara beating a guy up. They're, they're facing felony charges of battery with uh, trying to do great bodily harm. I mean, this is a huge deal. Do you think Lamons gets off, or do you think do you think Camara uh, uh, gets off? What what do you think about all this? Man, I don't. It's it's hard because celebrities seem to have a completely different law book in, for them, and I I, I hate it. Um, like kind of going back to Adrian Peterson. Yeah, she didn't press charges, but come on now, I was on an airplane, like. The yeah. feds usually press charges regardless of that. Right. We'll, Me we'll, or you would have been like dunzo. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. You, you got the Camara situation here and, and now Lamons. It feels like they're, they're, they're both going to get something. Um, Camara in particular. But I could yeah. see them not. Yeah, I could see him possibly getting away with this whole thing. The the stories, you know, are. They're. They're. The, the the story is that yeah that that you know this guy was getting too close to Camara was trying to grab Camara and but then five on one stomping on the guy and whatever else I I just I don't understand the whole thing but yeah Lamons has been charged Lamons isn't a, a starting corner though and and that might be be a huge factor too I mean the Chiefs may just release this guy I mean and and you know away goes the money so we're gonna find out. What goes on further with this Alvin Kamara case? But one thing is for sure that going to Vegas uh, was probably the most stupid thing that the NFL could have done with a football team. But now that you mentioned the Adrian Peterson uh, thing, he was 
Free agent running back Adrian Peterson gets arrested and booked for a felony domestic violence uh, charge after an argument with his wife uh, at an airport LAX. His wife isn't pressing charges, according to a a spokesperson for the couple. But the police arrested him due to a scratch that was left on her finger after Peterson grabbed her wedding ring off of her finger, according to to what uh, Peterson and his wife have said. The state is pressing charges against Adrian Peterson as it's a, considered a felony domestic violence. I think that this winds up getting thrown out because of the fact that she's not pressing charges. I think Adrian Peterson's going to walk in this situation, obviously, but it, it's kind of a I don't know. I, it, why Why would they arrest you over a scratch on her finger? I mean, I, I know the law is the law, and a lot of cops like to go by the book and things like that. I mean, but she's not pressing charges in this situation. So so I, I don't think that they're going to roll with it. I really don't think that, that the courts are going to say, oh, yeah, let's, let's get them for the scratch on her finger, especially if she doesn't give a shit and she's not pressing charges, right? See, to me, it'd be, it'd be more just the – the altercation on a plane just we know how how the country is and the world is on plane altercations right so it just seems weird that he'd get off for nothing given it being on a plane yeah like I'm, af- I'm afraid even even uh take my volume from a two to a three on on a plane yeah <laughs> yeah i know um and and the plane hadn't taken off yet i mean it was still on the runway and then they had to bring it back but still it's kind of a uh, uh, it's kind of a, a weird situation. I don't think he winds up, like I said, I don't think he winds up getting the felony charge dropped on him. He might wind up on a no-fly list because of it, but we'll we'll find out. But yeah, Adrian Peterson, uh, more more domestic violence stuff, and and you know, a few years ago it was you know the switch taking a switch to his kid. This year it's you know, and and he has since come out and said he's still punishes his children with a belt which i mean why okay why do you have children at this point you know so we'll we'll see how that works out that that we're probably we're probably lucky i mean the fact that on a plane the the switch was just in his checked bag (laughs) god damn oh it's terrible but we also have no he's, he's proven to be a questionable human being when it comes to how he handles things in his life yeah yeah i i just have my concerns about Adrian Peterson. Uh, speaking of having my concerns about questionable ways people handle things. So Kyler Murray, he did scrub his Twitter account of anything related to Arizona and his Instagram after recent reports in regards to his immaturity and his lack of liter- leadership. He returned to social media and released a statement professing his love of the game and his focus on improvement, tabbing his recent histrionics as quote unquote nonsense. Um, you know, I, I'm happy he called himself out, but at the same time, if he thinks he's getting 50 million, I think he's crazy, right? He, no, he's not getting 50. No, no one not no one not named Patrick Mahomes is getting 50 million. Exactly. So I mean, he and I think that's what his expectation was. He wanted 50. He wasn't getting it, and and somebody called him out and said, "Bro, you better just pull yourself." He's got he's got two years left on his deal. Go out this year and win a Super Bowl. Yeah, you'll get 50. Yeah. But I mean, if he doesn't win the bowl, I think he gets forty. I think yeah, he, no, he's he's in that forty conversation. Yeah, I mean, he's I think, in that he's in that. I, I despite the second season collapse that I kind of put a lot of it on his injury and I kind of put a part of it on losing Hopkins. I do think he's he's in that that Lamar, uh, Prescott, uh, Allen 
quadrant of, of quarterbacks. Yeah, and I think Allen got, what, 36 this year, didn't he? Allen got 40. Did he get 40? Yeah, I thought he got 36. But still, I mean, yeah, I think he's in that range. Um, that's that's about what he's going to be worth moving forward. And also with the Cardinals, so they released corner Malcolm Butler from the reserve-slash-retired list. He retired middle of his contract. The Cardinals maintained him on that retired list. Um, and they maintain the rights to his deal. But now that they've released him, it opens the door for him to sign with a new team. Do you think Malcolm Butler returns to the NFL? I think I, I, from- I, I don't. You know, I think not. he retired off a team that's already pretty good and still rising. Yeah. It would be weird for him to come back and want to go to a different team. Like he's on the right team. I thought he was, I, I, I to be honest with you, I think he retired as more of like a, a you know, getting a little you know, boo-boo face and wanting to go home. I don't think he was really happy with the organization. And that's why he, he took off. Um, if you remember, Malcolm was not having himself a very good year that year when he retired. Uh, I, I really think that, that uh, he could return to the NFL. And if he does, I think he goes back to New England. I, I really do think Bill Belichick may be looking at him because he knows Belichick's system and he knows their defensive schemes. And Patricia's back over there. That that could be the move. And you could see Malcolm. I, if, if if Butler goes anywhere, I think you're going to wind up seeing him with New England. I think that's the best shot, don't you? Yeah, I I could. I there's a few options, but I, I think especially at this stage of his career, going back to New England, going somewhere he's comfortable with is going to be the right move. Yeah, I think that's the smart play. Um, elsewhere in that division. The, the Dolphins, they go and hire Daryl Bevel as their quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. Um, this is a smart play. I think Darren Bevel is Daryl Bevel is a guy that not enough people give credit to because of the fact that he's come in twice as an interim head coach. He's a good quarterback coach. He's been a good offensive coordinator in this league. He's, he's dealt with some of the best players in the league. Daryl Bevel, I'm not surprised that he's not getting a head coach look because I think he is more of an offensive coordinator kind of guy. But I think this is a really good play for the Dolphins, especially dealing with Tua and the style of play of Tua and and how similar it is to a Russell Wilson type of of uh, play style, right? I, I think this is a smart move, right? Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it's it's going to be a nice brain to bring in to, to continue to help Tua, who has developed well, to, to, to get better. Yeah, I agree. And and the Dolphins, they also hired Chargers run game coordinator and offensive line coach Frank Smith as their new offensive coordinator. I'm surprised That's... that this this move was made. I think it's an okay move. The Chargers didn't have really an incredible run game this year. I mean, Austin Eckler's a good player, but I don't know. But they did have a good offensive line. What do you think about this? See, I like this move. I think Dolphins needed to do something to get anybody to do to to do something on the run games. I I, I like this move. It, it might be a smart play. We're gonna see what they what they do. Obviously, the Dolphins need a, a strong running back to come in there and and ball out. And I I think they're gonna really start getting into that running back market in the draft this year. Also, the head coach Mike McDaniel on Jalen Waddle over there with the Dolphins. He says I would start him in fantasy. It sounds to me like Mike McDaniel is getting ready to use Jalen Waddle a lot this year, don't you? Yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think Jalen Waddle is going to get a lot of looks. Do you think Jalen Waddle? I think he's already the number one over there, but right now I think he's kind of a low end number one. Do you think he becomes a high end number one with McDaniel watching? I think he becomes like a high, like a mid to high end one for sure. 
yeah, it's kind of what I'm thinking. I think he's going to be getting a lot of looks this year. Um, elsewhere, down there in Florida, the Jags running back Travis Etienne. He's nearing 80% to the 85% range after suffering a Liz Frank injury during the 2021 offseason. Uh, do you think Etienne takes the job from Robinson, or do you think this is Robinson's job? I don't think it's necessarily Robinson's job, mostly because they drafted ETN for a reason. They're not going to want to waste that talent. But I don't necessarily think it's ETN's job either. I, th- I think you're going to see a, a Broncos type situation with, or a Brown situation, and and just letting the hungry bat go and 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 sit and split back in it. See, I think I really think that that if anything, they should be using ETN as a change of cha- change of pace guy over there. I think that Robinson is is a big bruising type of back, and I think Robinson, to be honest with you. I think he's going to wind up hitting free agency at some point here. He's not going to want to stick around in Jacksonville. I mean, do you, do you think he's going to want to stick around there with with all that nonsense going on? I can see him. I could see him leaving. I would leave if I was him. I'd be gone, man. That's uh, it wouldn't even be a question. I mean, like, oh, you you drafted a guy that that is going to be basically trying to take my job, huh? and he's in a contract year. James Robinson is. So I mean, watch him, watch him go. And in in free agency of 2023, he is a restricted free agent or a restricted free agent. But I mean, yeah, he's he's gonna hit free agency after after 22, and somebody's gonna pay that money to pick him up, uh, especially if ETN winds up taking away from his touches. Yeah, yeah, I think James Robinson becomes a stud anywhere he goes in this league. And uh, because you mentioned him, I'll jump into the Broncos stuff. They hired the Rams secondary and pass game coordinator, Ejiro Eviro, as their new defensive coordinator. This is a good play. I think he did a really good job with Jalen Ramsey over there uh, with the Rams, right? He did. He did. I, I Jalen Ramsey's been very good this year, and and you can kind of put a lot of credit there. Yeah, I, I think that was a really smart play. They also went and hired the Rams special teams coach, Dwayne Stooks, as their special team coordinator. This is another smart play. The Rams had really good special teams these last couple of years. Stooks will be a good addition to the Broncos. I think that that's a good fix there, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I think that's smart. And they also went, went and hired the Rams assistant defensive line coach, Marcus Dixon, as the new assistant defensive line coach. Another smart play. The The Rams defensive line has been really, really good. The Broncos just poaching Rams coaches left and right here and uh, offering them money, and they're taking it to jump on board. I mean – well, that's that's what that's what happens every year at the Super Bowl champions is is coaches and players all seek to find greener pastures and take their success and, and retool it. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a, a fun time. Also, the Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf undergoes surgery to have a screw removed from his foot from a previous rece- procedure. Uh, do you think this will affect DK Metcalf going into the next season? If he does it now, then I'd say no. But if he uh, treats it like a certain guy from Saints, named Michael Thomas, then yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And last but not least, and this one is kind of one of those elephant in the room stories, the Steelers hire former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores as the new senior defensive assistant and linebackers coach. I think this is a major step down for Brian Flores. It's not a position that, that – um, he should have he should have received he should have received something much more prominent. But I also think that this is a situation where Mike Tomlin agrees with uh, uh, Flores's lawsuit, and I don't blame him. And 
yeah, I think he's he was just saying, hey, I'm going to give this guy a job. And I think this is a smart, brilliant hire by Mike Tomlin here because he got a guy that had notoriously good defenses there with, with the Dolphins, and he's going to make him his linebacker coach and, and an assistant defensive coordinator. And I think that's just smart is on his uh, um, on Mike Tomlin there, right? Absolutely. If if he's not getting looks at the head coach, or it's it's a shame that's it's come to that. But he's having him under staff is going to be a great tool for your defense. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a smart play, um, and and I really commend Mike Tomlin for making that move. If he's out there, and and I think it's it's two things. I think Mike Tomlin's going. Nobody's giving this jo- this guy a job. This I'm not going to let the NFL blackball this good coach. And number two. What a bunch of fucking idiots because they didn't go and pick up such a good goddamn coach. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, I mean, good on Mike Tomlin for making the move. But um, we, that is our news throughout the league. I do have a bit of breaking news. We have breaking news. We have breaking news. We have breaking news. Breaking news, Tyler. Hit me. The XFL, which is now owned by Dwayne The Rock Johnson has reached a partnership with the NFL. Wow. This wow. partnership is an agreement that will focus on creating innovation programs and protecting the health of players. That's smart. It's been made clear that the collaboration will not include player sharing for developmental purposes, but the alignment alignment is notable given that the growing number of, of alternative leagues in the football landscape. Yeah, that is notable. Um, I think this is smart. That's a good business decision by the XFL. Uh, more so than the NFL, but uh, I think this is this is a good business relationship that they're going to have with the uh, the XFL is going to kind of you know have that bridge to the NFL kind of opened up a little bit. This is a smart play. It's very smart and and, and you know, obviously the, the big the big piece here is the agreement will give the NFL a quote unquote petri dish to experiment with proposed rules, test new equipment, and develop prospective officials and coaches. And and that tells me that the XFL is going to sort of be kind of like a developmental league for the NFL, which could be a good thing. Um, so you can bet you can bet your ass that um when, it, when the XFL resu- resumes play in February of twenty three, I'm willing to bet one of the official rules at least for the first season is going to be that you you can do the long fourth down play instead of the onside kick. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna try that. They're they're gonna try that. Any any of those new rules that they haven't enforced in the NFL, they're gonna, instead of doing the preseason, they're gonna have the XFL put it in, which is smart. That's a, a smart play by the NFL, and it's smart on the XFL's part because I'm sure the NFL is paying the XFL in this situation. Which yeah, because you're not go, you're not gonna see this isn't gonna be the uh, oh, what's the league that uh there it's not gonna be this isn't gonna be arena arena football. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be, be like NFL style just with some tweak rule tweaks. This, right. this could be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I think this is smart. This is a smart play by both the NFL and the XFL. This is this is brilliant. So, um, But, Tyler, for our, our last portion of the show, uh, last week I put it on hold because we had Super Bowl stuff going on. We had so much news around the league. Um, I, I started doing my top five prospects at each position moving into the NFL draft. We do have the draft uh, uh, coming up at the end of April here. And I got my top five running back prospects all situated. I, last time I did my my top five quarterback prospects. Now I've got my top five running back right, prospects that people should be looking at. And um, I'm pretty excited about it. And the, the guy I have listed as number one, I know won't surprise you, but it's going to surprise a lot of folks. 
Um, so here are my top five running back prospects. Uh, starting out with your boy, Kenneth Walker. Uh, Kenneth Walker III from Michigan State. Um, he's the one running back prospect that has seemingly seemingly never been given a shot until last season. I mean, like, I like Kenneth Walker a lot. And even on draft boards, he's lower than he should be. Yeah, people aren't looking at him. And and he was only looked at as a three-star recruit in spite of a great high school showing. I mean, he goes to Wake Forest, where he, he was never really featured in at Wake Forest. And then he goes to MSU, and in 2021, he goes 1,636 yards and 18 touchdowns. I mean, it just goes ham. Uh, I like Kenneth Walker a lot. He's a big boy. He reminds me of Jonathan Taylor, uh, really a, a downhill runner. He's got good size. Uh, just a big bruiser of a back. Uh, he finished sixth in Heisman voting last year. He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He's got great hands. Uh, the only question about him is his speed uh, and, and his question to get to the edge. And, and But at the same time, even getting to the edge, he beats those linebackers with his speed. So, I mean, I like Kenneth Walker. I think he's going to be the best running back out of this draft class. He reminds me of Jonathan Taylor. You know, everybody was talking when Jonathan Taylor got drafted. Everybody was talking about the DeAndre Swifts of the world. You know what? No. I say Kenneth Walker is going to be the guy that comes out of this draft and takes the league by storm and takes everybody by surprise. He's my number one draft prospect as far as running backs go. Uh, Number two goes to Brees Hall out of Iowa State. Um, He's the top running back prospect according to about just every other NFL analyst out there. Um, He's been a feature back for the last three seasons. He's Faster than shit. I mean, he has a, a 4.39 40-yard dash. Um, he's a one-cut kind of guy. He's got good vision. Um, and, and he runs really well in, in the interior side of the line. I mean, he's he's really solid. Um, he has the ideal size to make it in the NFL, but he doesn't know how to run like a power-running kind of running back. So we're going to see kind of a speedster sort of back out of him. Uh, he needs to work on his abilities and pass protection, but that's just about every running back coming out of this draft. Um and he needs to work on his uh, pass catching because he needs to, if they want him to be in every down back, he's not going to do it. What do you think of Brees Hall, Tyler? I, I like Hall. I, I, I think, uh, I think he could go, he, he's, he's not going as high as he could kind of like Walker, but yeah. uh, so someone's going to get, get a, get a steal out of him. I, I, I don't know he's going to be as explosive as Walker, but he, he, the team's really going to be happy to have him. Yeah, I mean, and you and I have both been really high on Kenneth Walker going into this draft. I know you're you you know a lot about Kenneth Walker. You're you're an MSU guy, so and and you got to see him. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I'm not gonna like lose my mind saying he should go like top five overall or something like that. But he definitely yeah. should be looked at more than he has been. And and and, and Hall's no different. Right, Hall is no different. And and right now Hall, like I said, he's the top prospect. He's set to go top of the second round, maybe late first. Um, I think that's a little high for him, to be honest with you. I mean, some of the competition that he took on out there in Iowa State was kind of eh. But, I I mean, and then I see Kenneth Walker out here putting up the numbers he does in the Big Ten division that had some really solid defenses. So I I have questions about why why Brees Hall is is rated so much higher than Kenneth Walker. But I do have Brees Hall set as my number two. Uh, Number three goes to Isaiah Spiller, the running back out of Texas A&M. Um, most scouts are considering this guy the best of both worlds. Uh, he possesses a lot of speed and a lot of size, but he's not great in, in one direction or the other. He's kind of a, a middle-of-the-road uh, running back. Uh, he's, he's patient. He has good vision. He's a solid pass catcher. He can track the ball down. Um, 
And he, but the the big question about him is he has a tendency to downshift when he's making his cuts, so it makes him more vul- vulnerable to getting tackled. He's not a true one cut kind of back. Um, he's considered that best of both worlds guy. His production isn't completely there though. I have I look at the numbers and I'm like, okay, take a look. He only broke a thousand yards barely. I mean, in in 2020 he had a thousand thirty six yards. He had one thousand eleven in 2021, and that's playing for Texas A and M. I have questions about whether or not this guy can be like a full workhorse kind of back. What do you think about Isaiah Spiller? Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of in this camp where I feel like he's a bit overrated. He's he's had these good flashes, but I, I don't I don't view that as correlating into the NFL. I agree. I agree. I, I think he's he's kind of just that middle of the road guy. He's just kind of there. I don't see him being like a, a monster starter at any for any team. To be honest with you, I, I think it's just kind of eh. 1,036 and 1,011 yards, and you're playing for Texas A&M. I'm I'm just kind of I don't know. I'm not sold on him. I want to see if that he can do that, get that NFL level production. I mean, 1,000 yards, great. You broke a thousand, but you did it barely. It kind of reminds me of Latavius Murray from a few years back, where he. He led the league in attempts, but barely broke a thousand yards. You know, so I have questions about uh, Isaiah Spiller. He reminds me kind of Latavius Murray. Uh, number four goes to a guy from Notre Dame, Kyron Williams. Um, he had solid numbers in spite of like limited playing time in college uh, for the last two seasons. Uh, the, he's really elusive. If he gets like loose in the open field, he's gone. Defenses aren't going to be able to catch him. Um, he's versatile. He's he's reliable as a receiver. He he could find himself. I think this guy is going to wind up being more of an, a change of pace role. Um, he's good in short yardage situations, but he lacks the NFL size. And and you know where you he was going to be able to move those piles in college. I don't see him doing. It. I think Kyron Williams is is kind of that change of pace guy. You're going to see him in that Reggie Bush role. He doesn't offer much in pass protection. He's just not a big dude. I think he's only five nine. So. I, I, I just, uh, even though Notre Dame has always notoriously had a really good running attack, and and that's been the kind of the narrative for the last decade here. I think Kyron Williams, like I said, change of pace guy, Reggie Bush role. What would you say? Yeah, I think he'd be perfect for that. I, 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 I so, I, so I, I think in the right situation, he could be successful. He's got to go. I, I think a place like the Chargers would be really great for him in a change of pace role. Um, that that could be a really smart play for him. And uh, number five is Brian Robinson, the running back out of Alabama. Um, he really wasn't showcased for four years. He was sitting behind like Damian Harris and Najee Harris. Um, and then he finally got his shot in his fifth year and he put up 1,071 yards and 14 touchdowns. Now, mind you, that's against the SEC, which, you know, notoriously has, uh, you know, really good defensive fronts. Uh, and, and a lot of teams like to, to come down on those Alabama running backs, but he didn't fumble once in 2021. So there's no ball control issues there. He has no injury issues. He doesn't have an injury history, which is really good. He's got the ideal size to be a workhorse. So, I mean, he's a big guy, but his acceleration isn't there. His longest run in college went for just 37 yards. So, I mean, to me, I'll be honest, I, I see him. I think he can be oh, like a, a quality fullback. To be honest, I, given his size and, and given what he's capable of, I really think he could be a, a good quality fullback if he can develop those blocking abilities more. But but a lot of people are, are saying, oh, this guy's going to be a big bruising running back. Uh-uh. I think he's he's more set up for a fullback situation, right? Yeah, he's he's a he's a big boy. Um, 
And I, I, I think as he as he continues to hone in that that, that blocking, he's, he could be a, a nasty fullback. Yeah, I, I just don't think the acceleration and the elusiveness are are there and that explosiveness that they're really looking for. I don't think it's there for him. I, I really believe this guy, you know, if they he gets drafted, he'll get drafted as a running back, but somebody's going to line him up in that fullback situation and just say, hey, guess what, buddy? You're going to learn how to block today. And, and then I think that's where he's headed. But those are my top five running back prospects moving in to the NFL draft. Next week, I'm going to dive in on the receivers, my favorite position in football. And um, Tyler, that's our show for today. So uh, we, we got our news around the league. We got our prospects. We got everything situated. Um, buddy, I'm all fired up. Free agency around the corner. Folks, we are switching over, by the way, just so everybody knows. We're going to be going once every two weeks moving forward here. Uh, so we're, we're going to be um, jumping into once every two weeks for the offseason like we do every year. And then when the season actually starts up, we'll be going back to weekly. But our next show, we're going we're gonna to be re- recording in about two weeks here. Um, and, and bringing you the news and stuff around the league. We're going to be doing it right after what we call tagging day. So the, the uh, franchise tags go out on March the 8th. So we're going to know all the guys that got franchise tagged by their respective teams. So we'll be uh, recording on around the 9th or the 10th, and we'll have it up that weekend. And then free agency day is the following week. So we'll, we'll wind up jumping into to that about two weeks later and, and all the guys that wound up getting signed. So we got some some fun shit coming around the corner, right? Oh, free agency's coming up, and draft won't be that far behind. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a fun couple months here. Yeah, yeah, and then and then we'll have our lull. We we always have our lull that that comes uh, right after the the draft, but that's all right. We'll we'll uh, we'll go ahead and keep it coming. But yeah, folks, uh, we just want to give a quick shout out before we take off to our sponsor at It's Your Time Massage. Uh, you can check get a massage over there with Amanda at iytmassage.com or. You can go over to facekicktapparel.com and get all of your uh, wonderful T-shirts, hats, hoodies, pants. You pick it, he sticks it at facekicktapparel.com. Sean Stockmeyer, man, he is tremendous. And, folks, that's all we got for this week. Tyler, I hope you're all fired up for the upcoming draft and the free agency stuff because we're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Free agency is shaping up to be another crazy year of movement, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. So, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time right here on the Outside Blitz. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz, and be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz, and feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com.